How many promises do you think are in the Bible? How about 100 promises? Or 500? 1,000? 2,000? Try 7,487. God makes 7,487 promises in his word. There are only 31,173 verses in the Bible, which makes 25% of the Bible just promises. Almost one-fourth. If God makes so many promises to us, so many guarantees, why do we fear? Why do we doubt? Why do we strive? For every human condition we have, there is a promise from God's word. There has never been any situation in life where God hasn't given us, in advance, a promise powerful enough to push us through the oppression and opposition, to shore victory on the other side. If we have faith to believe and receive them, faith the size of a mustard seed, we will never live in defeat. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Isn't that pretty cool? Um, our, our team actually made that, and I saw that Thursday afternoon, and I was just so impressed with that ability. But I want you to catch what that video was saying. God has given us a whole lot of promises in the Bible. And so there's 7,487 promises in the Bible. And that's pretty interesting when there's 31,173 verses. So it's about a fourth of the entire Bible then would be what? Promises. So why did God give us so many promises? Why did, why did God know that we would need so many promises? Uh, I, I love what happened last weekend. I love that 58 people got baptized last Sunday outside. That was so cool. And, and they put their faith in the promises of God. And I just thought that was so cool, and I was watching all that, and it was just a very cool, very emotional moment. I want to start a new series this morning, and the reason is I never knew there were so many promises. I, I didn't. I didn't realize that there were 7,487 promises. And by the time we're done with this series, those of you that are really good with numbers, you're going to like all this. Those of you who aren't good with numbers, you're going to get the big picture. But that's, that's amazing that there's 7,487 promises that God has given unto us. So we must need them. There must be a reason why God spent so much time and effort giving us so many promises. And so part of this then is every week we want to give you one promise that you can hold on to. One promise now on your phone. It's on the wallpaper on your phone. One promise that you can screenshot. And this promise is for you in the middle of the night. This promise is for you when you cannot sleep. This promise is for you when you are overcome with some kind of angst and anxiety. And so today... We're going to talk about a human condition that we all have. And I want to be so pastoral because I am right there with you. 
This is something that I struggle with, something that you struggle with, something that we all struggle with, and something that we will all continue to struggle with. And so I want to start with a verse that's not the one on your, on your wallpaper on your phone yet, but this verse is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and sound mind. God did not give you the fear. You have fear. Fear is inside of you. Fear is outside of you. You have it. I have it. We all have it. Sometimes fear grows. The problem with fear growing is your future gets smaller. If your fear grows and grows and grows, your future gets darker. If your faith will grow and grow, your future gets brighter and your future gets larger. But just recognizing this, God did not give you fear. You have it. I have it. We all have it. But he didn't give it to you. What God gave to you was something completely different. God wants to put inside of you his spirit, which gives you power, love, and a sound mind. Say that with me. Power, love, and a sound mind. A little more passion. Power, love, and a sound mind. That's what God's given to you. So why am I afraid? And why do I have fear? And why do I wake up with anxiety? Why do I wake up in the middle? Why do you and I struggle with this human condition? Well, first of all, if God didn't give us the fear, where does it come from? Why, why do we have fear? And, and so before we really deal with all those things, I, I'm going to ask you not to ignore your fears. Many times, if we just avoid it, we think it will go away. This is not one of those cases. If you try to ignore this subject this morning, it will only get worse. It will only get bigger. It will grow like yeast. And so there is fear in you and there is fear in me. What, what are we afraid of? Are, are, are we afraid of being alone? Are we afraid of fear? Are we afraid of what's going on in the world? There's a lot of reasons to have some fear right now. Well, first of all, where, where did it come from? If it didn't come from God, where does it come from? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, things are going really, really well. Genesis chapter 2, things are going really, really well. We get to Genesis chapter 3, and it's an absolute train wreck. Things do not go well in Genesis chapter 3. I don't know what Eve is thinking. I don't know if she has the fear of missing out, if she's got the FOMA. I don't know what's going on inside of, of Eve. I, I don't know if Adam didn't have enough courage, if he was afraid of her. I know she was deceived, but it would have been a really good time for Adam to have said, hey, babe, this is a really bad idea, right? It would have been very wise for Adam to have stepped in at that moment and said, honey, this will not go well. And because that window, that door, that cavern got opened, fear now floods into the every mitochondria of your cells. Fear can now, epigenetics, fear can now come into the nuclei of every atom inside of your body. Fear is not just out there. 
Fear becomes in here. Fear becomes a part of who I am. And so every one of us in this room, there's a really big deal why this needs to be dealt with. Because if you want a bigger future, you have to deal with this. If you want a brighter future, you have to deal with this. And the incredible news is that God is going to give you this ability. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God says, I didn't give that to you. That didn't come from me. That angst that you have, you're worried about your kids, you're worried about your money, you're worried about you know, your time, you're worried, you're worried, you're worried. Just listen to how people talk. You can tell in the first five seconds how people talk. People will say, I'm concerned. I'm worried. This really bothers me. Now, sometimes concerns and fears come from God. God can give you clarity on what to do and what not to do. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about divine wisdom and revelation. I'm talking about what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Here's what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Look at this, if you would, on the screen with me. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, it's not like God couldn't find Adam and Eve, by the way. I mean, what kind of a bungling God would we have if you can't keep up with two people, right? So it's not like God doesn't know where Adam and Eve are. And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. And at that moment, fear entered your world and entered my world, and we will never be the same. That's where it comes from. So what does it do to us? I I hope you've never been around somebody drowning, but if you are or you have been, you know if someone's drowning, you got to be real careful. Because someone that's drowning is not thinking about you, not thinking about the team, not thinking about their family. They're not thinking about anybody else but what? Themselves. And if you're not careful, you will become a buoy. Now, if you both live through it, they'll apologize to you later and say they were sorry. But at that moment, they're not thinking of anything except survival. They're trying to survive. And so here's what happens when you're full of fear. You're not making good choices. You're not creative. You are the least creative when you're full of fear. You have the least ability to solve problems when you are full of fear. You will make the poorest choices in your life when you are what? Full of fear. You will make relational decisions that you regret when you are full of fear. And so it, it's, it's something that we struggle with, but it doesn't come from our Heavenly Father. God did not give you a spirit of fear. God wants to put inside of you and inside of me a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of sound mind. So I don't want you to brush this off. I want God to encounter you right now. So, Father, where am I afraid? Where are you afraid? Where are you afraid? Where are we afraid? Can can, can we surface this? 
You know, the purpose of a nightlight is to illuminate your path so you can see where you're going. Lord, will you turn on a nightlight right now in, in, in here and online? What needs to be dealt with in your life? What, what, what is it that you're afraid of? Is it to be single? Is it that you won't get pregnant? Is it that you will get pregnant and you don't want more children? What, what, is it that you're going to get fired? Is it that you don't have what it takes? What is it in your life right now? You say, well, well it's what's going on out there. And I agree, what's going on out there is not healthy. COVID, cancer, Ukraine, Putin, recession, higher interest rate. I, I, I got all that. There's always all that. There will always be all that. There will not always be Putin, but there will always be all that, right? <laughs> Stalin, Lenin, they all, you know, if I'm not mistaken, they're all dead, right? But there will always be all that that's out there. But it's what's in here that we need to work on. See, what, what, what happens in here is we begin to ask ourselves, you know, am I pretty enough? Am I... Well, I, I've never asked myself that question. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> let, me, let me read. We, we ask ourselves the question, am I pretty enough? Am I smart enough? Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? And then we begin to compare ourselves with, I, I may not have what she has. I may not have what he has. I may not have their opportunity. And all of a sudden, there's this fear that just comes inside of us because we're just scared to death that we're not going to... And you can fill in the blank, right? And so then we're filled with insecurity. And when I'm insecure, I make really bad decisions. When I feel insignificant, I make really bad decisions. Right? And, and so then, then, we, then we begin to realize, okay, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Who told you that you had to stay stuck? Who told you that because of your trauma, and your trauma was good and real. I mean, it was real. It's not something made up. It was real. But who, who told you you have to stay stuck in that trauma? Who told you that? Your Heavenly Father didn't tell you that. Your heavenly Father didn't give you a spirit of fear. Your heavenly Father is willing to give you a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. That's what your heavenly Father is wanting to provide and to give unto you. And so, what do I do with my fears? They're real, they're not made up. I really do have these fears. Well, I think, first of all, you have to make a decision that you're not going to live in fear. I made this decision years ago as a leader. I'm not going to lead out of fear. I'm not going to lead our organization out of fear. I'm not going to lead our family out of fear. I'm not going to lead me out of I'm, I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. So, first of all, you have to make a decision. You have to make up your mind as to whether or not you, you really are going to, to live out of fear or not. But I think then you have to realize that, okay, just like Eve, I've been deceived. 
I've been deceived that I have to stay stuck in my fears. Well, who told you that you had to stay stuck? Well, the news, friends, sometimes the church, sometimes the people around you, sometimes your work tells you that. Who, who, who said to you that the power of the gospel is not more powerful than the, than the, the kingdom of darkness? And so you've heard me say this before, but when it comes to the gospel, there's the gospel of salvation, and then there's the gospel of the kingdom. And everybody who becomes a Christian, who gives their life to Christ, they get regenerate. They, be, they accept the gospel of salvation. It's wonderful. You want to be saved. But the beautiful part about it is God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. That's the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of salvation was for you to get in. The gospel of the kingdom is for you to do something and for you to be something. And so the enemy is going to work overtime to make your world smaller, to make your world darker. I got to make you insignificant and feel insecure. I got to do. But the gospel of the kingdom is like, this is God. Every story only has four characters. There's only four characters in any major plot. There's the victim. There's the villain. There's the hero. And there's the guide. And you can go through life being the victim. And you can go through life then being mean. Being the villain. Or you can accept the hero, and then let the guide take over. And that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the hero, but the Holy Spirit is your guide, and it's my guide. And the Holy Spirit has great things in store for you to be and do, more wonderful than you could ever imagine. And so you will fight this, faith and fear, fear and faith, faith and fear, fear and faith. You will fight this all the days of your life. We can thank Adam and Eve, the train wreck in Genesis chapter 3. You will fight this all the days of your life. But here's what I've seen. You make a decision that I'm going to live in fear. There's an old poem that says, there are two natures that beat within my breast. One is foul, one is blessed. The one I love, the one I hate, the one I feed will dominate. And so I just, I'm with you. I'm I'm 100% with you. I've had to work through my own fears, my own anxieties. I just, I've seen what God can do in my life. It's just, it's it's rather miraculous. It is. So here's our verse. I want to give you one verse this morning that is your go-to verse when you're facing any problem, any challenge, any issue, any anxiety. It is your go-to verse. It's Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. And Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, so do not fear. Notice he doesn't say that things aren't fearful. Notice the author doesn't say that there aren't things that could scare you to death. The context of Isaiah 41 verse 10, the context of Isaiah 41 is a political, moral, ethical, agricultural disaster. Absolute disaster. America today, compared to Isaiah, we look like heaven. We look like paradise compared to their storm. 
And he's telling them in their storm, do not be afraid. Why? Because there's not a reason? There's a lot of reasons to be afraid. There's a hundred reasons to be afraid. I want to show you this, this one sheet. This is just the A's. Kylie, can you put that one sheet up there? This is just a list of the A's. In the alphabet, there's 26 letters. There's 25 more letters. Look at all those A's of things to be afraid of. Darkness, heights, flying, pain, open spaces, needles. I agree with that one, by the way, in, in Jesus' name. Uh, riding a car, men, choking, flowers, people, touched. Peanut butter? Why would somebody be afraid of peanut butter? I mean, come on. I, who likes peanut butter in the house? Yeah, you are the godly people. In there. It's, it's, a, it's God's food, peanut butter. I probably eat peanut butter five times a week. If you're a nutritionist and that's a bad idea, I'm afraid of you. I don't want to talk to you. I love peanut butter. But the point is, there's 25 more letters to the alphabet with things that start and scare you. Are you going to live in fear? Well, you will. If you don't claim Isaiah 41, verse 10, he says this. So do not be afraid, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. I am with you. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's one of the mighty promises of God. So I'm encouraging you to embrace this promise. Let's break it down just a tad. Number one, he says, I am with you. Well, I really don't want anybody else with me when I'm afraid. Do you? Have you got somebody better than God? I mean, alcohol's not better. Drugs are not going to be better. Some type of immoral relationship's not going to be better. Stealing money's not going to be. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody or anything that's a greater promise than what I need when I'm afraid. And God says, I am with you. That's awesome. Number two, he says, I am your God. And what I like about him being my God is it's not just the gospel of salvation, which I needed that to get to heaven, but it's the gospel of the kingdom. I like the power, for thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He is your strength. That's number three. He wants to invigorate you. And what happens when you say, God, I'm scared, but I'm going to trust you. It's not that things don't frighten me anymore. It's just I have recognized now long enough I'm not going to be afraid anymore. <gasps> that takes my breath away. <gasps> I catch, oh, wait a minute. Now, how do you know if you're afraid or not? How do you know? You always pay attention to the tension. You always pay attention to the, how do you know if it's fear? Do you have a fear? You pay attention to the tension. There's always going to be some tension right here on top of your chest. Now, sometimes that's from God to tell you not to do something, but most oftentimes there's tension because we're afraid of something. Number four, I will help you. I love this. Um, back in the February when we had our three weeks of winter, Remember that? We, 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 we do have seasons here. People say we don't have seasons. They just don't last as long. And, and uh, I made a crack about 
you know, those of you in Michigan, you know, I'm sure it's spring and whatever, and first hour, we had a bunch of Michigan people said, no, we just got snow this last weekend. So we have winter. It's just not as long as those of you Wolverine fans or whatever, Spartans. So I, I like the fact that I'm not doing life alone. God is strengthening me and he's helping me. So during those three weeks of winter, we have three grandchildren, love our grandchildren. It's a bonus round being a grandparent. And Asher is two. He's two, he's, he's a little man. And he said, he calls me Poppy. Poppy, fire. And I'm like, did you need to light the house on fire? You know what? And he points to the fireplace. He says, build fire. I said, you want to build a fire? It's great. Let's go build a fire. Let's go get some wood outside. We'll go build a fire. And so Asher and I go outside to the wood pile and there's some small kindling on a pile and medium pieces and then the big ones. And so I hand him, you know, a piece of kindling, which is commensurate with his size. And, you know, he's, a, he's, he's two. And so he looks at me and he says, no. And he skips the medium pile and he comes over here to this really large piece of oak, probably eight inches in diameter. And, you know, that's for the piece that you put on the fire when you don't want to keep stoking the fire and keep building a fire, right? That's the piece that you can now drink the hot chocolate and watch Tom Brady or whatever, you know, going on like that one. So um, he goes, and I said, Asher, um, that was pretty heavy, uh, man. Let's, 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 we'll get, Poppy will get that. Well, I'll come back and get that. And he reaches down. He wouldn't have it. He had to pick, he wanted to carry the big piece. He had to have the big piece right then. So he picks it up tries to, it slips out of his hands, tries to pick it up. He, he can't, he's not giving up. And I realize if I don't help him, we're going to be here till eternity comes. And so I reach over and I, you know, pick, it's probably 30 pounds. I don't know how, how much it weighs, probably 30 pounds. But Asher and I are carrying in this 30 pound log in, into the house. Asher probably was carrying one pound. I'm probably carrying 29 pounds. You follow me on this? I think that's God in your life. I think you're carrying the one pound. I think he's got the 29. He's carrying you. I don't have to worry. I spoke about this last week. All of my needs, all of your needs are completely taken care of in Christ Jesus. There is nothing else you need because of him, because of what he will do, because of what he has done for you. And the last one is, is I, I will uphold you. And this is really about being upheld through your most difficult challenges. And uh, the challenges are going to come. You, you can't arrange your life in such a way where there aren't going to be challenges. Nobody can do that. Nobody can control their lives in such a way where there, there aren't hardship and issues. That's not the point. The point is Isaiah 41.10. I am with you. I will be your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. I will help you with my righteous right hand. So it's pretty cool how God's bringing all different kinds of people here to Harborside. And the family just moved here from Bentonville, Arkansas, and uh, they live there part of the time. They're not with Walmart. He owns his own 
marketing company, kind of interesting couple, but anyway, they're not, they're not Walmart people, but they, they have a home there, but they also have a home here. And so I had coffee with them at the world's most famous coffee shop. Is that good or what? The food is good. The co- Anyway, so we're at Haven House, and they tell me their story. And I said, really? Isaiah 41.10 is your go-to verse? She said, yeah. I- Isaiah 41.10 is your favorite verse. She said, it's not my favorite verse. It's the verse that got me through two of life's greatest challenges. She didn't know I was preaching on this. I said, tell me your story. So she said, in the fall of 2003, at age 50, Steve and I, we joined this evangelical church in another state. And she said, I began training there to grow in my faith and become more active in the church and more active in the community. She said, I was learning to hear the Lord speak to me through two Bible studies. One was Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. If you've ever taken that study by Henry Blackaby, he's a, he's a living legend. And I had breakfast with Henry Blackaby. And then I did it, a walk through the Bible conference years ago. And at breakfast, I, I honestly did not open my mouth. I just took notes from Henry. And there were two miracles there. One was I didn't eat breakfast. But second of all, was I kept my mouth shut the whole time. That may have been the greater miracle of the two. And then she was also doing a Bible study called Behold Your God, a study on the attributes of God. She said, little did I know how God would use those two studies to walk Steve and me through two consecutive valleys. One morning in late fall of 2003, after learning that our son and his girlfriend were expecting a baby, I laid in bed and I thought, I can't believe this is my life. I prayed, Lord, I need your strength and your help. And for my Bible study, I, I was to look up that moment, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Now, maybe that doesn't mean that's a big tragedy to some of you, but for some who've prayed for their kids and wanted them to get married first before children, this was a traumatic event in this family's life. The Bible study that week was Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I thought, wow, that's an answer to prayer. The word leapt off the page, and so I memorized it. She committed this verse that I'm asking you to commit to, to memory. A week later, I was at a women's conference when the leader asked us to share our favorite scripture verse. They just went around the room and she said, we're all supposed to share a scripture. She said, my mind goes blank. She said, I couldn't even remember the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. She said, I couldn't think of anything. But a lady in the back of the room recited Isaiah 41.10. Out of all the 31,173 verses in the Bible, this lady quotes the one verse that Janine is going to cling to and need. Out of all the verses in the Bible, she quoted that. And for the next few months, the Lord began to help me through the valley of the shadow of death. I couldn't believe it. The Lord kept encouraging me with this verse. And he continued to place this verse before me. And then was my second valley of the shadow of death. Late February of 04, 2004, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Cancer was my new enemy. When we received the diagnosis, Steve immediately prayed, Lord, guide us through this journey and help us to glorify you in the process. The day after my diagnosis, my niece walked into my home 
And she says, I have a scripture verse for you. There's 3,000, 31,173 verses. And the niece comes in with Isaiah 41.10. And Janine was just emotional, overwhelmed. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. You're speaking to me, God. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. My surgery was scheduled for March the 4th, 2004. The Wednesday before my surgery, I was at a women's conference, again, led by Dr. Henry Blackaby. He would give a short teaching, and then we would submit our prayer request. And Dr. Blackaby said, today, I'll be teaching on Joshua chapter 1, verse 5 and 9, and also on Isaiah 41. And she said, before you can get the verse out, I shouted in the back of the room, verse 10. And he calmly said, verse 9 and verse 10. Family and friends showered me with scripture, greeting cards, necklaces, all with his words. Isaiah 41.10. It was encouraging to say the least. Surgery went well. Post-surgery did not go well. Had two bleeders. Almost bled to death. But she clung. You said you'd be with me. You said you'd help me. You said you'd uphold me with your righteous right hand. You promised, you promised. She said to me at Haven House just a couple weeks ago, it's been 18 and a half years and I remain cancer free. Now, how about that? Is that awesome or what? 18 and a half years. He answered our prayers, he is faithful and true. His word is alive, living can be trusted. That scripture, said Janine, changed my life. I could not have journeyed through breast cancer without Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. That's how powerful his word is. It does not disappoint. There is such depth in his word. She said, although breast cancer was one of the toughest valleys in my journey, it was a time where I grew spiritually. I grew so much. All is well with my soul. I've chosen, I love this, I've chosen not to live in fear of a reoccurrence. I have chosen not to live in fear of a reoccurrence. And then she said, P.S., our son married his girlfriend. She's a beautiful, fabulous mom, daughter-in-law. She's a great mom to our beautiful 18-year-old grandson, and now they also have an 11-year-old granddaughter. I'm your friend I, I want I'm right there with you my world is not any smaller today than 10 years ago my world's not less complicated my world just continues to get larger and more complicated But he's with me. He's with you. He wants a brighter future for you, a bigger future for you. He wants a future for you and your family that's not based on fear, but power of God, the guide. The guide can give you power. The guide can give you love, supernatural love. 
to live in a constant inner state of love and to have soundness of mind that's what the guide can do for you and for me and what he wants to do for all of us so when we come to this ministry moment you've got to have this connection I, I built a bridge for you this morning now it's time for you and God to have a conversation. Look at this last slide. See, this is what he wants to do. He wants to be with me. He, he is my God. He will strengthen me. He will help me. He will uphold me. Pick one of those and talk to him. Just pick one. What's your greatest need? I need help. I need you to uphold me. I just need to know that you're with me. Okay, okay, okay. Help me to have greater faith. You are my God. You are my God. Help me, give me the gift of faith. And I put strengthening in the middle because I think that's all of us all the time. So what are you afraid of that the Holy Spirit's been going It's time. It's time to work on that. It's time to get past that. It's time to deal with that. So I'm going to ask you to pray. And we're going to hear an amazing song right now. And as they, as Jeannie sings and Joy and Hans play, I'm I'm going to ask you to pray and connect.
I didn't come from you. Wisdom comes from you. And some caution comes from you. But fear doesn't come from you. Be our guide, Holy Spirit. Touch everyone online. Touch everyone in the house. All of us on the stage. Holy Spirit, strengthen us. Strengthen us with your righteous right hand. Let us embrace this promise this week. Let us every moment of every day when there is a little bit of angst cling to your word, Isaiah 41, verse 10. We worship you. We encounter you today. You encounter us today. And may we walk out of this place or turn off in just a minute online, never being the same, always tapping into you, not feeding the fear, but embracing the guide who will get us to greater faith, greater faith, greater faith, greater faith, greater faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. So, Will Smith, I'm going there. Yeah, I'm going there. I'm going there. Those of you out of the country won't get this, but in American history, it was the shot that was heard around the world. It wasn't the shot. This was the slap that was heard around the world. And, I, and whatever your opinion is on what, it, but the association, the, the Oscars barred Will Smith for 10 years. And, and again, I'm not dialoguing about that. Whether you agree with that or disagree with that, it was too much, it was too little. That's not the point. I love what the association said afterwards. The Oscars Association said, with great humility, we were unprepared for the unprecedented. We were unprepared for the unprecedented. I, I love that line. You know why? Because you are unprepared for the unprecedented. Because I am totally unprepared for the unprecedented. And that's why I have 7,487 promises to cling to. That's why I hold on. I don't know a year of my life that I have been prepared for the unprecedented. And if I live another 61 years, I don't think I'll be ever be prepared and neither will you. That's the whole point. But I cling, I cling. And I, I love that. You guys can play, sing, cello, play, whatever all day long for me, Hans, enjoy. They're just awesome. They're just awesome. (laughs) 
fact, if I ever have insomnia, I'm just going to have you come over and I'm just going to go to sleep. You just sing over me, all right? I'm just, I'm just going to, it's peace. When Jeannie sings, there's a peace. There's a peace. So, yeah, it's amazing. But I want to encourage you. This is your go-to verse. Hold on to this verse. Cling to this verse. Claim this verse. In Jesus' name. See you next week.